We're looking at Psalms, Psalm, and all the emotions in Psalm. And we're going to focus on a few real emotions that are all over Psalm. One of them is loneliness. Can you say loneliness? And so we're going to look into that today as we look at Psalm 22. And so today, um, all the translations will be in, in, on the screen up there. And uh, for us, I ask that you would allow yourself to be vulnerable to God and say, this is how I felt. This is what I own. God, work this through me like your word promises. So would you join me in prayer as we enter into that? God, I just plead with you for the Holy Spirit to work in powerful ways through your word to massage into our very soul and heart as well as our mind your truth, your promises, the power that you proclaim, not a self-help how-to, but a real genuine transformation that we could find in you through Jesus Christ. Help me to speak your words with integrity and honesty and truth. Help us to receive it with humility, knowing that you love us. You're not trying to take away things that we like, but you're realigning our joys back to you. And so work in us at this moment that we may hear and see you in powerful ways, that you would receive glory not just here, but in all the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'll begin with this question, just a thought question. Do you think Jesus was ever lonely? So think about that, and we'll get back to that at the end of the message. You know, loneliness is very real. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I would think you are really lying if you said, I never felt loneliness. Uh, loneliness is defined as a sadness because one has no friends or company. That's what the dictionary says. I was like, that's cold. That's like lonely because you have no friends. I don't think that's a good definition, though, because loneliness can happen to people with many friends. So I like this definition that a professional said. It's a perceived social isolation. It's a perceived social isolation. Fortune magazine from 2016 discussed loneliness. Somebody studied loneliness for 20 years. Like, they didn't have anything better to do, I, I guess. I don't but but we're, we're grateful for this. And this person discovered a couple of things about loneliness. Loneliness does something to your brain. It puts it in self-preservation mode. So whenever you're lonely, all you think about is me, 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 me. So loneliness perpetuates this, I got to look out for myself. Loneliness also dulls the part of the brain responsible for empathy. So if you go to someone that's lonely and say, oh, I'm not feeling well today, they go, so? There's no lack, there's lack of empathy. Loneliness has doubled since 1980s and has tripled since 1970s. So with all this high-tech connections, emails, people are actually more lonely than ever before. And loneliness affects anybody and everybody in every socioeconomic class. People with happy personalities feel just as lonely as people with quiet, introverted personalities. So loneliness, this professional found, was across the board. So the question is, why are more people lonely today than ever before? 
with Kaka Talk, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. And this is what he discovered, which I appreciated very much. He said, with all these social media connection points, if it doesn't foster face-to-face -face human touch engagement, it makes one person feel even lonelier. So if you have 10,000 friends on Facebook, it doesn't make you feel less lonely. So loneliness, it's a real deal. And this is nothing new. From the beginning, God created you and me to live in community. Somebody say community. That's what you and I were designed for. Even introverts, they don't recharge with people, but even introverts need people for community. So you could read a book on a beach by yourself and you recharge as an introvert, but if you have no other family, friends, and social interaction, you're doomed. So even that. So God made us to have community. In Genesis 2.18, he says, before sin, before Adam and Eve committed their sin, it is not good for the man to be alone. So he gave him, whoa, man. Because when he saw her, he said, whoa, man. So, so loneliness can be traced back to ultimately this disconnection with God and this intimacy that we all crave. And I, I just want to say, on, on, on just in addition to this, is in my humble estimate, this is, don't, take this with a ton of salt, in my life, in my experience, in my ministry, 30 to 50% of our addictions, affairs, regrets, things that we do to say, why did I do that, are driven because of the pang of loneliness and to find affirmation and love from somebody. And so loneliness is not the root of all sins, sin is, but loneliness could open us up to do things that we would never do. And so God created us for intimacy, and loneliness is a symptom of that. In Psalm 22, King David is writing this psalm, and it's such a real, honest description of loneliness. Verse 1, we read it together. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I love how the children, did you see that? They picked up on it. They're angry. David's sad. Like even children could pick up on David's emotions. My God, why have you forsaken me? And so David is recalling the time. We don't know if it's because when he was thinking about when King Saul wanted to kill him because Saul was jealous of David's popularity. Or when, did you know this? David's own son Absalom wanted to take over David's throne and was trying to kill his father and David was running away from his own son. And so this is the emotion that David feels, and he feels in this moment this loneliness. Why are you, where are you, God? Why have you abandoned me? Sometimes loneliness can feel like God has abandoned us. And some of you may look at your life and you say, God, really, really, God? This is my life? Where are you? And I want you to know that that's perfectly common and normal. Even David felt it. He says, why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? You don't hear me. And sometimes we pray and we're like praying and sometimes you pray again and again and God, all you hear is crickets. And David is saying, this is how I feel. Um, it reminds me of times where I felt depressed or lonely and then I'm praying to God and then you go to sleep and the next day, you know, remember the Broadway show, Annie? The... Sun will come out tomorrow, right? And you're like, yes, 
I'm going to go to sleep, and tomorrow morning, I'm going to feel better. And in my experience, I wake up, there I am, sun is up, and I'm still lonely. So I feel even worse. So this Broadway show is nice, but it, it's not helping me. So I just love how the Bible, and especially Psalm, makes these feelings so real. It doesn't say, oh, cheer up, God is good. Don't be lonely. I, I love how it says, I am lonely. I'm jealous. I'm angry. I feel betrayed. And so we see in Psalm 25, 16, turn to me and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. Psalm 13, 1, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? And David feels like he's not answering. So in Psalm 22, we see David's true struggle with loneliness. But how does David handle this? And I just want to share that with you, encourage you today. How do we deal with loneliness that's real with God? Here's the answer. Watch a lot of Oprah and Dr. Phil. I'm so glad you laughed at that. I'm so glad. That, that's not the answer. That's not the answer. Yeah. All right. So some of you are like, oh, Oprah, Dr. Phil. That's good. That's good. That's really good. So first, check out verse 3. Yet... David reminds himself of God in verse 3. Yet you are what? Holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Isn't that strange? First two verses, he's saying, I'm lonely. Where are you, God? You're not hearing me. I cry out and you're not answering me. And then the next verse is, yet you are God who sits enthroned. You are holy. That's kind of weird, isn't it? It's like, you know, my, my mom used to do this. She's like, oh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Isn't this typical, mom? I'm so tired. And then I'm like, my stomach grumbles, and she goes, ooh, can I cook you some food? It's like so weird. All of a sudden, her personality changes because inside of her, she's, she loves feeding. And inside of David, he sees loneliness raging in him, and he doesn't change his personality, but he's like, even in loneliness, though, there you are, God. You're enthroned. You were answering the prayers of my fathers and their fathers forever. You are the Holy One. What is David doing? What does it mean when you believe and trust something that you can't see? What's the word for that? What's the word? When you believe something you can't see and trust and nothing's changing but you cling it with trust? Say it. Faith. One more time. What is it? Faith. This is David not letting his emotions determine his theology but letting his, the truth, objective reality of who God is to guide him in his belief and faith. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, you all know this. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. David is saying, in my loneliness, here's what I cling to. Not my emotions or feelings, not the reality of my social life, but in who you are, God. And so whether David sees God or feels God, faith is irrelevant to that. Start, the goodness of God prevails, and it would no longer be faith if God popped out and said, here I am, you know? I mean, faith is not something that's, like, that easy. By definition, faith is, this is hard to cling to Jesus Christ. This is really hard. But that's when faith is exercised. And so... David's faith is strong because he recalls God's faithfulness. We just sang that. Never once did I ever walk alone. Choir sang it beautifully that in these moments, God is still there. So 
So David fights loneliness by turning his attention to God and God's story rather than dwelling on his own problems. So notice how faith turns to remembrance and remembrance of God turns to, can you say this word? Worship. So what's a practical thing we do when we are lonely? We worship. We literally get our butts up Sunday morning and say, no matter how I feel, God is God. And in my loneliness and emptiness, I'm going to go gather with a community of people and worship. Now, you heard people say worship is not about you, it's about God. That's true. But in that worshiping of God, do we not get blessed and healed? Yes. And so there's a quote uh, from, from this man, Bruce Leafblood, and he says this. Worship is communion with God in which believers by grace center their minds, attention, and hearts, affection on the Lord, humbly glorifying God in response to his greatness and his word. In other words, when we worship, look around you. Are you alone right now? There's a literal community that gathers to worship God. But in this worship, we, on this side of heaven, have the closest taste of what what it's like to -to face-to-face with God and talk to him. Can you say, God is here? Just one more time. Say, God is here. Woo! He is here. Not because we're at a church, but because people gathered in his name to worship him. If we went to the park or, or, what's that restaurant? Jack in the Box. Can God be there when we gather there? You betcha. He just won't be at McDonald's because too much calories. But... But, but, but the point is, like, when we gather together, God's presence is there, and that's why we're not alone. What I don't understand is people are like, I, I feel lonely. I need time away. I'm not going to worship for a while. What? That's like saying, I got my arm chopped off. I can't go to the hospital. I feel embarrassed. Like, that's where we go. And so David sees this, and from chapter uh, from a study in 2014 2014 worship just driving out loneliness this is an actual study from austin institute for the study of family and culture oh nice the study found that people who attend religious services on a weekly basis are nearly twice as likely to describe themselves as very happy when you go to church regularly, these people were surveyed, they're two times likely to say, I am very happy. Um, then people who never attend. Conversely, those who never worship are twice as likely to say they are very happy as those who attend services weekly, 2%. There is a correlation of something, and it's not just going to church, but it's what we are doing in reminding ourselves in my loneliness, yet you are the God who sits enthroned. You are the Holy One of Israel. So David, how does he fight loneliness? He worships. He remembers God's goodness. Can I ask you, if you ever feel lonely, I'm not saying go to church to make friends. Go to church to worship and hear and know and draw close to God. And Monday through Saturday, get on your knees and meet with that same God. You're still here. And let that intimacy drive out this pang of loneliness. So he does something else. David, he battles loneliness by, so logical. What does David do? In the same chapter, he battles loneliness by ministering to others. Verse 22, look at what David says. I'll read it for you. 
I will tell of your name to my people. What's he doing? I will tell of your name to who? My people. What, what is he doing? Is he isolating himself? I'm lonely. I wish you would be friends with me. No, he's going out of his comfort zone. I will tell of your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. He gets proactive. He gets others involved in worshiping God. What is he doing? Can you say this? He is ministering. What does he do in his loneliness? He doesn't wait and says, boy, why does the pastor call me? It's been one whole day. <laughs> he should call me every hour. Why doesn't anybody like my Instagram picture? I just posted it two seconds ago. Man, what does David do? Instead of waiting for people to come to him, what is he doing? He's going out to them. And so, true story, there was a widow, woman who lost her husband after being married 37 years. Just let that sink in. 37 years of marriage. Can you imagine what she's feeling? And I know some of you can, because some of you in this very church were married for 40, 50 years. This particular woman battled loneliness after 37 years of marriage, and she was saying, what am I going to do? And it just hit her. This is what she said. This is her own words. Ready? So I came up with a plan, proactive. Whenever I began to feel lonely, I would call someone. Hearing the voice of a friend has helped me. If you ever find yourself feeling lonely, try these three tips. This is from the very woman who just lost her husband, and this is how she's battled it and overcome it. One, when you feel lonely, pick up the phone and call someone. Two, send a card to someone. Three, visit someone, especially those who may be homebound or in a nursing home. Listen to this. This is the kicker. By taking your mind off of yourself and onto others, you will soon realize how very beneficial it is. Now, no one in this room is going, I never thought of that. I don't think there's anybody in here going, that's a good idea. So do it. Don't just know it. Don't just say, I, I know that. Do it. In your loneliness, reach out to those who may also be lonely. High school, middle school, adults, it's all the same. Whenever you get caught in this self-pity of, how come no one likes me? What am I going to do? No one's reaching out? Hey, get on your feet. Look around this community. Give them a call. Say, how can I serve you? Can I take you out to lunch? Would you like to get some coffee? Hey, do you need a ride to church? Do you want to go out for lunch today after? And how do, you, how do you see that change happening? You see, not only are they being ministered to, but how do you feel? In Acts, Jesus says, it is far better to give than to receive. Wow. It's amazing. So ministering to others is the way out of loneliness. David's not done. He's not done. He goes further. And this is the last landing thing. He goes on to evangelism and mission. You're lonely? There's a meme that says, I ain't got time for that. There's a, there's a lot of time for this. 
If you're lonely and you could walk and talk, guess what? God has a mission for you, and he's got a job for you. What is it? Tell the world the good news of Jesus Christ with your mouth, hands, and feet. Verse 27, this is what David says in that very chapter of 22. Verse 27, all the ends of the earth, all, the whole world, will remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nation will bow down before him. He's picturing, in my loneliness, a whole world coming together and saying, God, he is God. And verse And then verse 31, they will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn. I love that part. They're going to declare God's glorious ways even to those who are not even born yet. What is our job in our loneliness? You don't have time to be lonely because you've got a purpose. God saved you and redeemed you for a purpose. It's to bless others, to worship God so that the whole world can worship God. And David did not have depression. He overcame that, reminding himself, this is who God is. This is why he made me, and I got a mission. And when he steps into that, do you think he was bored? No way. And so this is what David's response for his entire world looks like and for every unborn. This is for every Christian. And so this is why David was able to do this. Let me land this. So question, was Jesus ever lonely? I think it's a trick question. I think, according to John 10.30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. I think in his ministry, Jesus was never lonely because he had the Heavenly Father with him. But the trick question part comes in. But the irony is, David felt lonely. David felt abandoned. But Jesus, when he died on the cross, Jesus was abandoned. Jesus was left alone when he took your sins and my sins. Jesus took the ultimate loneliness away from you and me to bring us back to God so that on the cross, this person who is one with God, who never felt lonely, faced and experienced loneliness for you and me. What do you think about that? What do you think about this Jesus? This is why we can gather and have freedom from loneliness because the ultimate loneliness has been cast into the ocean. Amen? And in that, he yells, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David's own words from Psalm 22 on the cross because he's experiencing David and our ultimate loneliness. This is why I get up Sundays to worship, not because it's my job. If I wasn't a pastor, I guarantee you, you cannot keep me from worshiping God, whether hurricane or not, because he, if he did that for me, how dare I not give him everything I have? This is worship, and this destroys your loneliness. Now, just a, just a final thought, word. It's not that simple. The, the truth is simple, but it's not that easy. And so I pray for you, and this is our prayer as we go to the table, that as we remind ourselves that Jesus broke his body and spilled his blood, when you go home and you experience that loneliness, that 
first day might be hard, but second day easier, third day, you go into worship. You go into the reminder of God's faithfulness already in your life. You go into the truth of his mission for you to evangelize and serve others. And I dare you, trying and testing God's prescription to see if you still feel lonely. May you be people who overcome it by reaching out to those who really need comforters in the truth of Jesus Christ who took it away. Amen? Let's pray. I just want to invite you to confess in silence with me because let's own it. Let's, let's own it. God, I've been lonely, but I've been chasing after wrong things. I've been filling it with money, job, romance, a wrong relationship, a terrible decision, when all I really need is you. And I just want to give us this time before we come to the table to remind ourselves of God's grace for all sins. If we could just own that reality that out of the brokenness we have in our relationship with God, loneliness will prevail. But when Jesus comes into our life and we put our trust in Christ, that we have a power that overcomes true loneliness. We don't need to please others. We find God is pleased with us because his son's blood covers us. So would you pray just, God, in my loneliness, I confess to you. I need you more than anything else. And then I'll close us in prayer. Lord, I just pray that you would minister to everyone in the, sitting in this room right now, to their hearts, where loneliness can exist and rule, and even believers who lose, lose focus of you, and we get lost in this searching and filling artificially. We thank you and appreciate the honesty and reality of David writing these psalms that we're not alone. But we even thank you even more for being the God who meets us in our isolation and our broken relationship to bridge that divide with Jesus Christ. We pray that our loneliness is not filled because of activities or busy work, but simply with the real intimacy that comes from you. We will pray that so that we could be a blessing to not just our neighbors, but to our children so that they may learn that their loneliness is not because they're unworthy, but because they have a relationship that can only be mended by you to fill them with the worth and beauty of who they are as a creator God made them to be. And so be with us right now in this room. And as we come to your table, may we taste literally and see that you're the God who experienced loneliness ultimately so that we don't have to. And that in you and your purposes, may we find life abundant as you promised us in John 10.10. These things we pray in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we gather together here, um, we do come with gratitude. We get to do communion once a month, and some churches do it every week, and uh, it's all good. But the more frequently we do it, we're reminded that we are not just a human-made institution, but we are the people of God made supernaturally through the blood of Jesus Christ. So as we gather together, we focus and thank God for his words and his sacrifice. And it says, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it, saying, this is my body. It's broken for you. Take and eat, and do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, this is the new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you, the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And for as we come to this table and take this bread and drink this cup, you and I were reminded gloriously about our God's faithfulness and his mercy and his grace that Jesus Christ gave it all for us, that we could give all ourselves to him, and that he is coming again, and one day we'll be together. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, may this bread and the juice that touches our lips not only remind us that we are physically dependent on you, but we are spiritually yours. Would you grow our faith? Would you help us to trust you even when we cannot see? And would you be magnified in all that we do in our lives, through our words, through our actions, and through our purpose of being? Be exalted, O God, and welcome us again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.